Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C, the eighth chapter of the Tao Te Ching. Kate, are you ready? I am ready. All right. The highest good is like water. Water gives life to the 10,000 things and does not strive. It flows in places men reject, and so is like the Tao. In dwelling, be close to the land. In meditation, go deep in the heart. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. In ruling, be just. In daily life, be competent. In action, be aware of the time and the season. No fight, no blame. Second translation. The supreme good is like water, which nourishes all things without trying to. It is content with the low places that people disdain. Thus thus it is like the Tao. In dwelling, live close to the ground. In thinking, keep to the simple. In conflict, be fair and generous. In governing, don't try to control. In work, do what you enjoy. In family life, be completely present. When you are content to be simply yourself and don't compare or compete, everybody will respect you. Third translation, the supreme good is like water, which benefits all of creation without trying to compete with it. It gathers in unpopular places. Thus, it is like the Tao. The location makes the dwelling good. Depth of understanding makes the mind good. A kind heart makes the giving good. Integrity makes the government good. Accomplishment makes your labors good. Proper timing makes a decision good. Only when there is no competition will we all live in peace. Final translation, doing the right thing is like water. It's good for all living things and flows without thinking about where it's going, just like Tao. Keep your feet on the ground. Remember what's important. Be there when people need you. Say what you mean. Be prepared for anything. Do whatever you can whenever it needs doing. If you don't compare yourself to others, Nobody can compare to you. Nothing compares to you. Good stuff. Good stuff, Craig. Nobody does it better. James Bond. Who sang that? Who sang that? Carly Simon. Carly Simon. How about Nothing Compares to You by Prince? No, that was Sinead O'Connor. Prince wrote it. Right, Paul? Yes. Wrote it and recorded it first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Craig. You're sure yeah, Craig. But, but Sinead had the hit, so Craig is correct on that. Am I showing my age by remembering the hit? That's not what it is. I didn't welcome everyone today. Let me do that right quick. Lala and Tina, Kate, Marla, Craig, Paul. I wonder if Dave will pop in. He's not going to work today, so I doubt he pops in. Or maybe he's going to work today. He might be working today. Who knows? I just, people are. 
yeah. just fielding my phone quest because somebody just texted me and a big shout out to Hootsuite who are trying to solve a problem for us. <laughs> You're able to pause your phone. You can mute it, Craig. It's possible. And then you can flip it over and you never even see what's going on. Or no, leave it in possible. another room. I'm getting, I'm getting irritable discontent. <laughs> Oh, I can't do it. So, yeah, what's your what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, so the, the translation I've um, I got a, I got a Dowdy Ching book for Christmas. Oh, nice! It was the it was the condensed um, Jonathan Star version. I'm waiting on the the big one coming, and he's got a, he's got a, a, a he's got a good translation for for the eighth. Um, and it talks about the it talks about the same thing as the other translations, but. Um, the translations we were reading says the supreme goods is like water. Um, he puts it to the best way to live is to be like water um, because it benefits everything uh, and uh, it provides for everybody. And when it's talking about dwelling, he talks about um, building building a house on a solid foundation. And it reminded me of Matthew 7. Uh, with a saying that uh, a foolish man will build his build his home on a foundation of sand, and it'll get washed away with the it'll get washed away with the winds and tides. Whereas a I can't remember the exact words, but a, a more intelligent or faithful man will build his house on on stone, and then that way it'll weather all the storms. So I kind of relate that to my I relate that to my recovery. And I thought mm-hmm. to start with, I kind of well, if I look back at my early recovery. Um, I kind of built the foundation of my recovery on more of a sandy ground, something that was kind of wishy-washy. It wasn't it wasn't as stable as maybe it should have been. Um, it lasted me for 14 months, and then it started to kind of crumble underneath me. Um, and then that's when I, I was in and out of AA. I was in and out of um, these recovery groups as well. And I was going backwards and forwards to my doctor as well because I was really, really struggling with um, with post-acute withdrawal syndrome. So one of them, one of the symptoms of that was uh, depression and anxiety. I didn't want to. I didn't want to connect with anyone. I didn't want to communicate with anybody. I was. I was incredibly withdrawn. My, my wife actually made the appointment for the, for the second visit to the doctor. Um, she basically says, "Look, you're going because there's something wrong with you." Um, and my doctor recommended, "Look, go back to AA meetings. Go back to meetings. Go back to connecting with people. Um, get involved with groups. Um, if there's something that you're struggling with, then talk to people about it." So that kind of gave me a second lease of life for my recovery. Uh, when I joined the when I joined the SRC, I was in the SRC and the, the other ones as well to start with. But I really got involved in it. I started integrating with the groups. I started post more in the groups. I spoke, started asking more for help, and I started going back to meetings as well, which was integral for this part of my recovery. It was better for this stage of recovery because it's given me more of a solid foundation. It's given me a proper program that I can work with. Uh, I can and I have a sponsor. And I have sponsees. I've got that foundation that I know is going to be solid, and I know exactly what to do if things start to crumble around me. So, if if I start building this tower and it gets higher and higher, and it starts to sway in the wind, or it's not as it's not as solid as I want it to be, then I know that I can always go back down a couple of different levels back to that foundation and revisit the things that have been important in building what I've built. If that makes sense to anybody, hopefully it, it does. Make, it, it, it does. Make, I- I agree that um, that in recovery, you, I've had to build a really strong foundation in order to 
be open to the other ideas, like be open to the idea of a higher power. I needed a foundation first, whereas, well, I think a lot of people have a higher power first, um, but I needed a foundation first to really understand what my higher power is, or, you know, is today, I guess. Yeah. It wasn't much fun watching the the foundations, the first phase of my recovery wash away. It it, It was absolutely no fun whatsoever. I thought it was doing really good. And then I got to a stage where I was thinking, do you know what, I'm putting all this work in and I'm getting absolutely nothing at all out of it. I was still only looking at what I was getting out of what I was doing. And what I was getting was was more and more withdrawn because I wasn't connecting with people. I wasn't offering myself for service. I wasn't I was still being selfish. Yeah. And that yeah. was that was where I built that foundation. It was a case of what can I get out of this? Second phase, what can I do for people? How can I how can I help other people? And that is that has been a it's been a massive, massive difference this time around. And a seismic shift. It is, yeah. It's, it's, it's community. It's, you know, there was more of a paradigm shift involved in it as well. I used to sit and think, this is why I drank. This is why I drank over this stuff. And now I look at things and I'm like, seriously, that's why I drank, I drank <laughs> shit. Seriously? Is that where my life had gotten me to? But it wasn't that's where my life had gotten me to. That's where my ego got me to. That's where myself had basically rooted itself in my life. I was thinking, look, this is shit. Let's go and have a drink. This is really good. Let's go and have a drink. It's raining outside. Let's go and have a look. look sun's out. Let's go and have a drink. Everything was just revolving around myself and drink, whereas now it revolves around everybody else. Drink doesn't even come into it these days. I stopped thinking about drinking as well because I usually find that with what we constantly think about, we, we become, we spoke about this last week. And it's true. If you keep thinking about drinking, you're going to, all you're going to be thinking about is drinking. Even if you think about not drinking, you still think about drinking. Whereas if you have that little shift to think, I'm going to think about getting better and helping other people. That's, that's where I moved on. I like the, the last couple of the last stanza of his translation, Craig, it says he moves in harmony with the present moment, always knowing the truth of just what to do. Comments, anyone? On on, on that note, I was reading a little bit further. Um, When people don't do the right thing and don't go kind of go against the flow, um, let's say you're a cruel, evil dictator. I'm just giving you an extreme. Even though it may not bother them at the moment, it's something that wears on them. And it, 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 you know, they may not, um, um, I don't know what the word is, but they may not atone through their life. I guess that's the word I was looking for. But they end up having a really um, bad life or, you know, bad conscience. Um, they end up just being unhappy in a way because they, they've done the wrong thing. They somewhere deep down know they've done the wrong thing. Even to them, it's the right thing, but they know deep down it's the wrong thing. Does that make? I hope I'm making sense. That used to be my daily. That used, that used to be my daily. I used to do the wrong thing, and I knew I was doing the wrong thing, but I'd always get away with it. So I'd always try and push everybody else's boundaries. Uh huh. That was that was that was my way of life. Let's see how far I can push this. Let's see how far I can push people into. How far? You know, they're going to keep coming back. I know they're going to keep coming back anyway. So let's just. Nobody's going to react to me. So let's just keep pushing it until you push that boundary too far and then people snap. 
And I was thinking about, for me, that I used to steal drugs. I used to, you know, I'd go to somebody's house, whoever it was, anybody, and I'd look in their medicine cabinets and steal whatever drugs I could. Well, that is just appalling behavior. (laughs) I would never do that in, in real life, you know, if not being an addict. I know it's addict behavior, but it's not the kind of behavior that it goes against my moral grain. And that wore on me and wore on me and wore on me, even though I kept doing it over and over and over again. But it really, it, it wore on me. And that's, I think, part of where my own self-hatred came in. It's like, that. this is not me. This is not behavior I condone. But, I, you know, I, yet I continued to do it. Um, I wouldn't even consider doing it now. Right. I think that kind of connects to the end of this reading where it's talking about um, comparing yourself to others. For me, I did so many, I did that too, Marla, and I did so many other things that were very questionable. (laughs) And um, I think today still, I, I think about all those things that I did, and I know I did them in my addiction, but I think about those things. I think about, you know, where I've got to in my life compared to where my family got to in their life compared to other people. And I still compare myself. You know, I still think, oh, I should have got further. I should have a better career. I should have done this more. You know, and I I still struggle a lot with comparing myself to, um, it's sort of a combination of the stuff I know I've done that I regret and the stuff I haven't done that I feel I ought to have done to have got to where I should be that I'm not. So it's like I'm comparing myself and I know it's, I know I should be just happy with where I am because I'm way better than where I was (laughs) way better, but somehow I'm still quite self-critical. Yeah. We're our own worst enemies. We're, we're our worst friend, not our best friend. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it's like to not the material things of what what job do I have, what family do I have, you know. It's more like I think about where I am spiritually, how I treat other people, you know, the, the changes that have come from that. Because, yeah, right now it's like I had to move home because I didn't trust myself on my own. I don't really work, although I have a couple projects going on. I don't have the family that some people have, you know, and I'm, it's just me and my, my puppy Levi. And it's like, you know what, just where I'm at now is it's just easier. It's easier in my head. I'm not focusing on all the crap I did to people because I haven't, you know, when I'm not drinking, I'm pretty much a great friend <laughs> when I'm drinking. I'm that. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I compare myself, I guess, only to myself of where I was when I was drinking, mm-hmm. spiritually, just in every way, just a better person. Marla said something that was quite interesting. She says, I wouldn't do this in real life. In real life. <laughs> <laughs> and it reminds me that this isn't a practice. It's not, just this life is not a practice for something that's, that's going on. Uh, and I had, a con- I had this conversation with, with somebody else as well. Just, you know, at what point do we say to ourselves, look, 
enough's enough. Let's stop dicking around and get on with it. It's like Santa talking to these elves on the shelves. Obviously, at some point, he's had to say to them, let's stop pissing around in these shelves and get some work done. <laughs> it's kind of like that with my life at some point, where I need to say to myself, look, we really need to screw the nut. We really need to realise the fact that it's time to grow up now. It's time that we have to actually... Um, it's time that we actually have to move on and man up and just get on with life. I don't mean man up as in man up, man up, but you know what I mean. It's it's time that we need to actually get on with things, pay attention to what we're actually doing, take things, take things a little bit more seriously. Well, we're lucky that we're able to do that. A lot of people, you know, continue their alcoholism till they die. And we're lucky that we um, found each other and found groups and found ways to, to practice recovery. It's a practice for sure. You know? Yeah. It's not linear. You know, recovery isn't linear. You know, two steps forward, 10 steps back sometimes. So I like to think of it. Yeah. Like Mona said, it's like, like yoga. It's a practice. You know, you are constantly working on it. It's just that whole thing. I I, I, People say sometimes with it not being linear, it makes so much sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a line in the second translation that I really like. It says, in work, do what you enjoy. And I've really taken that to heart. Um, I, I often tell people I haven't worked a day in like 30 years because <laughs> I just love what I do. And uh, even through my addiction, I was, I'm so grateful I was able to, to hang on to this job. I, I didn't let it affect my job in a negative way. And that's probably the only good thing I can say that came out of my addiction. You know, I never drank on the job and uh, I was hung over plenty of times, but somehow I was able to get through it. And somehow I I was able to hang on to my job. And I I tried doing some other things when I was younger that I thought I was supposed to do that would probably have made me more money and made me more successful, but it wouldn't have made me happy. That's success though. Yeah. Being happy. Yeah. Like, remember last, I think Tuesday when I quoted John Lennon, you know, his teacher asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he said, happy. She said, oh, you got the, you got the answer all wrong. He's like, no, you got the question all wrong. <laughs> I want to be happy. You're 10 steps ahead of, of the curve, you know, when you do something that you love. Was it not Jim Rohn that said if, you, if, you're not doing this, if you're not doing the job that you love, then you're in the wrong job? Yeah. I mean, think about it. You're there at least eight hours a day. So you're, for me, it was, wasn't so much the job, the company. It was always the people. I'm like, are these people that, that I'm going to want to be, be around, like my friends? And, um, you know, screw how much money it is. is this, you know, like one time I took a job um, at a recruiting agency. It was all women, all women, like maybe one guy and, like, yeah, the three partners had been doing this for years, and I was just like, oh, my God, I, ha- I had to leave it. I, I couldn't deal with all these squawking women that all talk behind each other's back. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was the most money I'd ever made working there, and I left. I was like, I, I can't be around this kind of, you know, female yeah. energy. Money doesn't make us that happy. It, it helps, but it doesn't solve any problems you know, and so. it's hard because we live in a materialistic society, and yes. you know you're bombarded every day with 
uh, ads and, and and people and comparing, you know, it's it's hard not to compare yourself to other people. I mean, I understand where Kate's coming from on that because I used to do that and that, that drove a lot of my addiction too, you know. I, I would see all my friends getting married and having families and, you know, on the outside, everything looked great, but then there's divorces and, you know, their kids resent them. And boy, you know, I, 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 I'm glad I don't have that problem. Yeah, you just, you just have to be true to yourself, you know, just follow your heart. That's going with the flow, the flow of water. Yeah, that's why I always drink my water. Funny, one of the things that when I took my refuge vows at my Buddhist temple, one of the uh, things was no, you know, not to, not to be around people that sh- you should, shouldn't be around that are negative or something. But the other main one that I have to always remind myself is no gossip. Don't, don't, don't participate in gossip because, and I, and I catch myself doing it now when I'm with people. I'm like, well, you know what? And then I'm like, oh, I'm such a bad, and I say it out loud, I'm, like, oh, I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> it's a practice. It is a it practice. Is a practice. People bond, people bond over it. It's like, ooh, what, do you, what dirt do you have? And it's like, I used to make friends that way by, you know, telling on other people's secrets so that we had this little bond. And no, I those, don't. Are, those are pretty hollow friendships, though, aren't they, Lala? Yeah, exactly. I was in my party days, and, you know, I'd be completely blitzed with somebody that I barely ever hung out with unless we were partying, and I would just tell them all my crap, you know, all the crap. And it's like, yeah, these weren't like real friends. These were party friends. Not that all of them were just party friends, uh, you know, but, yeah, it's like if you're hanging out with somebody that every time you see them, you're drinking, it's not, not really a good friendship. That's why I had to leave all those people. I can't be around it. So do you find being, um, I don't want to say alone because you're not alone, but being without them, it's, are you, isn't life a lot simpler? Um, do you both. find it simpler? It's both. It's like, you know, I, I, have, I have to completely not be around people that drink. And, but moving home to Virginia, I mean, it's, I guess some people would call it geographic, but the first year was really hard because I didn't have anybody other than my family, really friends. And I'm so used to having a crew of girlfriends, even sober girlfriends, you know. And so yeah, it was very lonely my first year, but it's, it's now it's filled up with so many things, you know. I volunteer, so I have my yoga community, my volunteer place community. I don't have those good best friends anymore you know I have my sister but I think on purpose it was important for me just to be alone and be able to sit in the stillness because Mm -hmm. you know that that was just keeping me busy you know having friends to do things with I think it was important for this time in my life to finally pull back learn to be on my own what I found good morning everybody morning Tina what I found was I felt like I would choose friends that would make me feel like who I was, like my identity was in my friends. And so when I quit drinking, obviously, I followed the rule where you evolve you, you evolve your drinking with you, your friend group that can drink with you. You know, if there was a group of people that we could drink together and then I was drinking more than them, I'd have to move on to find the next group of people that drank more. And then the it's 8 a.m. 
oh yeah, you know, cheers, you know, like just it, it. I'd have to find people that matched my my lifestyle, um, but at the same time, I still use them for my identity. You know, that's who we were. That's what we did. That was we were hilarious about it. We were this. I mean, in our minds, you know, it was just all about justifying what I was doing. And I found when all that went away. I, it was in part the drinking and my friends, I didn't know who I was anymore because I didn't have my friends to put forth who I was and I couldn't relate with this group and that group and this is what we did. I thought, oh, who am I? What am I, what, now I'm boring. Now I'm not funny. Now I'm not, and it took a long time, but it was almost like I needed some, I needed that. And I think my higher power was like, all right, here's what's going to happen everything's going away and it's just going to be you. It still makes me short of breath thinking about how traumatizing that was. Then I just have to just sit there with myself. Yeah. Now, and that's what I was talking about, like coming home and being one, when my whole identity was wrapped up in being love, the party girl. And here I come. And like, you know, um, all that, you know, that was a huge persona of mine. And to shed that, has, but was yeah, it was scary. It's like, who am I without that? But it's like, I'm still fine. I still, you know, I can. Um, I, I'm more fine because I don't turn into a mess around them anymore. But it it is hard to shed that. I battled that for a long time. Like that's that's who I am. If I'm not that, what am I? That's like that's like another Jim Rohn quote. If you're the if you're the smartest person in a group of five people, then you're in the wrong group. It's kind of the same if you're the soberest person in a group of drunk people. Maybe you're in the wrong group. Of, you're in the wrong group of drunk people. Maybe find, a, find another group of drunk people that you can keep up with. Um, but the third, I think the third translation talks about um, how we find it much easier when there's no competition. Things are a lot better when we're not competing with things. And I find that as well when I when I stopped drinking, I wasn't competing with this this dual identity. When I was when I was drinking, I find it incredibly more tiring and tiring every single day trying to just keep up with who I was yesterday. And it's not who I wanted to be. I, I wanted to. I just wanted to get rid of that person and just be myself. But I find it incredibly difficult because that's, that identity was what the relationships I'd built up with people. That's that's who people thought I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had to take a break from that. When, when, when I stopped drinking, I, I took a little break from, I took a little break from life. I was still working, but my, my job means I don't have to integrate with too many people, which is great. So I could kind of just, become my I could really become who I wanted to be myself without having to show all the rest of these people how I was changing and how that different persona was falling away uh, and my life these days is just so much better because I'm not having to compete with that ass from yesterday water doesn't compete with itself it just flows very wise Marla <laughs> I didn't make it up I didn't make that I just I read it that we're seventy five percent water in our bodies and eighty five percent water in our brains. And if you believe in creation, we were we morphed out of the water. I used to be seventy five percent bullshit. I thought yeah, it was more ninety five percent bullshit. Now you increased it. You didn't. <laughs> He's down to seventy four now. <laughs> seventy four and a half. <laughs> But I, yeah, I had I had a problem kind of along Tina's line though too. I I, you know, I got to the point where other people couldn't hang with me, and I couldn't find people that could hang with me, so I isolated. 
I mean, I would I would go to the bar and hang out with all these drunks, and then I'd still want to keep the party going. They want to go home. I'd go home and keep it going by myself. And boy, that's that's a recipe for disaster right there. And beer, uh, in, the, beer in the shower. Yeah, yeah, that leads to shower beer and <laughs> all kinds of good stuff. I did <laughs> notice that they sell um, beer holders for showers now. I never noticed that before, but I oh sure now they do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You could have invented that, Paul. I was I just thinking that. You should have invented it. I might have been retired by now. <laughs> Same as all these flavored drinks they're bringing out. The, 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 gin, the gin market has just exploded with all these amazing flavors. And you think, why can't you have done that? Years ago, gin to me was just like terrible. It was like well, drinking. vodka too. Yeah. Vodka's all flavored and it's good. Yeah, and I, I missed out on this whole craft beer stuff too. You know, it's like, wow, where was this when I was... Not that I not that I would have enjoyed it. I probably would have stuck with the same piss water I always drank. But do you think I'd, do you think I'd, do you think I'd be able to moderate now if I went back to drinking decent stuff rather than just shit? Nope. Don't even yeah. try. Let us know how it goes. Yeah, yeah, for real. I'm with you, Tina. Why don't you go try that, Craig? Let us know. Yeah, give it a shot, Craig. See. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I'll see you in four years. Maybe. Maybe. If you're lucky. Yeah. Yeah, but by then Louise would have left you and taken the kid. If you if you try drinking again. Okay, so that's that's the good things. What what bad things could happen? Take your favorite country song and play it in reverse. <laughs> Does anybody else have any elders, any old timers that would say that um, that that's what they would do if somebody was talking about? maybe going back out or trying it and they would take up a collection and give them 20 bucks and be like, okay, there you go. Come back when you, when you figured out if that's what you really want to do or not. Yes. That's we, just what they say at our tables. It's just, this. Uh, yeah, that's smart. I, I'll say sometimes in a meeting, Tina, that we, uh, well, I got criticized for this. Uh, it was a similar thing uh, that I was I was chairing, and I said, you know, I said, let's hear your experience, strength, and hope. Save your inexperienced weakness and despair for your sponsor, you know. <laughs> and uh, they were like, oh, no, you can't say things like that. That's just, you know. I said, what? I said, that's what a meeting's for is to share your experience, strength, strength and hope. Yeah. And that's what my sponsor told me, you know. That whole generation of the ones like what you're talking about, the real, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's dying out in a lot of areas. Uh, Is it the people who talk about their old drinking days and how awful they were? I, those are people I want to hear from. No, no, they're not, Marla. And and I have a little compassion for them because they, they just, you know, they don't know. So I'm, a lot of people will use a meeting for their sponsor when they don't understand that. Or, or they're, sometimes people are traveling, they can't get in touch with someone, so they throw up on a meeting is what we would call that, you know. And uh, it's okay, you know. You love them anyway. For you know, we we call it holding a meeting hostage. Yes, yeah. holding the table hostage. Yes. Yeah, that's good, Tina. Kate, did you get any resolution on your uh, comparing? I know I, I my internet went out, and I went out for a little bit in the meeting. I just wanted to make sure you got some. Uh, for me, if I start comparing like that. Um, I look at gratitude 
and with time in recovery, my idea of a successful life changed too. You know, instead of the career and the the money and all those things that we look at a lot of times, and even you know, even things like you know, children and marriages and all that stuff too. Um, I've got to believe that my life is as it's supposed to be and that I can find peace and joy just as my life is even more so if I can be content with it, regardless of what those other things that I might have are accomplished, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, with time you're, if you keep seeking a, a spiritual way of life, your thoughts on those things change. Mm-hmm. So how far how far are you along in recovery now? Three and a half years. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That didn't start happen, happening for me until I got around five, five to six was when my thoughts really started changing. I was still comparing a lot at three years. Um, so I would I would just encourage you to continue doing what you're doing. And with time, you'll realize that you're not comparing yourself like you used to. Yeah. I mean, I am pretty, I have a pretty happy life. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm happy with my life. But it's easy at holidays to start comparing with siblings and other people, mm-hmm. you know, and say, Ooh, they have this and this, and I don't have that the kind of thing, you know, that's what I was hearing, you know? And so I just want to encourage you that with time, all of that changes for you. You know, you realize that you're right, you know, that you that you're right where you're, you know, your life is as it's supposed to be, you know, and it, and it couldn't be any different for you other than you being dead, you know, I mean, it could be worse. <laughs> That's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying though? I mean, you really start understanding that, yeah, my life's like it's supposed to be, you know, and I can be happy and I'm, I'm, then you start seeing where the other people that have some of those things that we envied aren't really happy. They're not as happy as I am. And you, and then you start realizing it's not in all those things. It's in, you know, my openness to my higher power and doing, doing the will of God in my life, where my happiness is, where my peace and joy is. It's not in all of those other things. So I, I would just encourage you when you, if it, if you do start comparing, maybe use some gratitude, make a gratitude list maybe and to help get back into into the moment, you know, and, and that, that, that's what I use. It, it works for me. Um, you know, I really think this whole chapter is just a description of what happens when we do the next right thing. It is. It's yeah. It's about just going with the flow of things and seeking, not seeking to be uh, above or below, but just going around it. If it's there and being, you know, but- because it's got this uh that last stanza or that last um uh translation doing the right thing is like water it's good for all living I th- and i think this description all of these descriptions are what happens when we learn just to do the next right thing mhm and it builds on it, on it. You know, every time you, or for me at least, every time I do the next right thing, it it builds to the next level. Like, ah, oh, you know, look at what I've done. 
I can do it again. And then the next time it gets easier and then it gets better and it just builds upon itself. And it, and it talks about that, you know, water is our example of that in that it nourishes all things. How about this phrase of without trying? That's everywhere in this. It nourishes all things without trying to nourish them. It's that effortless effort. Yeah. Maybe when we're just doing the next right thing, we just stumble through. You know, we can we can lead a Mr. Magoo kind of, if we want to. That's what I kind of, you know, where we just stumble into the next thing and it just happens automatically without, you know. I don't want to fall into a hole. I don't want to fall into a hole, but I want to miss the hole and not even know I missed it. That's what happens all the time for me, you know. I don't even know how much how much I've missed that I miss, you know. Put down your never, iPhone. Do Put I down your iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just never know, you know. I don't know what's uh, how my life is taken care of, and I don't even know it's being taken care of, or how many people I help without trying by just trying to do the next right thing instead of, you know, making the, the selfish, self-centered decision. Comments? Craig, do you, uh, you see anything in, Wayne, in uh, Derek Lynn? I was too busy with my new book. Okay. Uh, it has a lot of descriptions of water that are really good, like the comparisons that we can make. I kind of go through phases with Derek Lynn. I kind of go through bits where there's loads in it and there's bits where I think there's... This one I think is pretty good. I want to hit a couple of highlights here. Uh, we place ourselves lower like water. Not because we contrive to do so, but because it is our nature. He says it's our nature to be humble. I think it's our God nature, this drop of God that's within us to be. Um, and this idea that the ocean's the greatest body of water because it's the most humble. It's lower than all of the rest. And when you think about it, every bit of water anywhere in the world eventually seeks the ocean because the ocean's the lowest. The ocean's always giving back. It's the lowest. So it's the, you know, that's what causes it to be humble. And the, that water runs into these places that nothing else wants to go. It seeks the lowest level. Uh, water provides its benefits and moves on without waiting for any benefits in return. We benefit others in the same way when we provide assistance. We do so with no strings attached. Mm -hmm. Water reflects its surroundings and does not hide or change anything in its reflection, like a mirror. We conduct ourselves with the same sense of integrity and accuracy. People come to trust us because they realize we will give them the truth when no one else will. Water administers to everything equally. It slacks the thirst of the, of the kind person just as it does the unkind person. Thus, we also do not pick and choose the recipients of the benefits we provide. Now, I was looking at that. I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about our conversation, Kate, last week about people taking advantage of us and that, all of that. Mm -hmm. and, and as I thought about that a little bit, I said, wait a minute. Just because we provide something to someone doesn't mean that they actually drink. 
you know, that they, uh, if you're thinking of water, you know, like you can, you know, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink that kind of idea. How many people have we tried to help and you just can't help them because they're not ready to be helped? And I think that may be a better, a better way of thinking about that than, you know, if we think about it in a way, well, we're just going to, you know, we've just got to help every person we see. No, we, in doing the next right thing, I think that we attract a lot of times the people that we need to help. And we know, we get this knowing if it's someone that we need to be helping or not. I mean, how many times have you seen a person in need that you've not helped because you just weren't comfortable? There was something that just wasn't comfortable about that. So I, I passed on those kind of people that I felt uncomfortable with. Um, and I think a lot of that's the same thing is, is learning how uh, doing the next right thing, what that really looks like. I want to finish these couple and then I'll get to Craig. Um, water's versatile. Uh, the world continually changes and we make constant adjustments to handle new challenges, conforms to the shape of any container so that we're, we've got to be ready for that kind of change. Whether it takes the form of rain or snow, water follows the timing of natural events. We're the same way. We live each day following the natural flow and take appropriate action at the appropriate times. Water gives itself to everything without protest. Like water, we do not engage in petty squabbles because our only wish is to be of service. So I thought that was pretty good. Craig? As we talk about water being the lowest and going to the lowest places, it kind of reminds me of some cultures where people will, will kind of bow their heads to people or they'll bow at the waist and you get some people that will go on their knees and get right down on the floor. <laughs> as if it's almost worshipping. As if it's almost worshiping the people. Maybe that, that kind of, I kind of got that, that idea of water as well. It kind of getting getting as low as it can, so it can help as many people. Just just exactly like you were just saying there, buddy. It just doesn't fight. You know, yeah. look at water. I mean, you you drop water just goes where it can. It and the power that that pull water's just pulled to wherever it can go. And it's not water's power that does it. Water's pulled by gravity, and it just goes. You know, it's not, water doesn't fight. It just takes the path of least resistance. So in the same way with us, when we're looking to do the next right thing, where's love pulling us? You know, uh, I've got on my wall, one of my friends in recovery, she says, go where you're being pushed. You know, don't resist it. You know, just go where you're being pushed. And I'm like, yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. And it's not difficult. If I can just stop for a moment and be quiet, if I get in a situation, and, hmm, you know, another way to look at that, too, and we talked about this uh, in one of the other meetings, I can look and say, okay, I can question if I have, you know, if, if I'm having uh, difficulty figuring out what the next right thing is, I can say, okay, am I making this decision out of fear or am I making this out of love? And if I look at it, I can usually tell oh, I'm making this out of fear because I'm afraid they're not going to like me if I don't do this, or I'm afraid that someone's not going to approve of me. I, so many, many of my decisions might look on the surface, they're one way, but when I really look at, if I question if it's from fear or not, I can I can really tell that pretty easy. You know, oh, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm afraid. You know, and it, I, it doesn't take much for me to, to really think that through. That, that for me, helps. And I said, well, there's no fear here. I just want to help. Okay, well, then I'll do that. 
and not complicate it and make it any more. And then, and then the rest of this is just showing us what happens when we make those kind of decisions. We, we become content. We keep things simple. We become generous. We don't try to control. We do what we enjoy. And then we learn to be completely present. And when we're content to simply be ourselves and don't compare or compete, everybody respects us. That respect we're really looking for, we get when we start doing the next right thing. And that's when we start changing the world. And it starts with us, doesn't it? Yes, it does. And I like this in the fourth translation. He says, do whatever you can whenever it needs doing. I mean, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Flip. Flip the good. Uh, just do just whenever you can. Just do whatever needs doing. Just leave it at that. You know, we don't have to figure the thing out. We learn to be present. We just do the next right thing. Okay, guys, any closing thoughts on this eighth chapter? Anything that we really need to hit? Uh, Let me just do one dire thing. Okay. Um, it's, it's, this is about going with the flow of water. It's natural for you to be gentle, to allow others to be free to go where they're inclined to go, and to be as they need to be without interference from you. It's natural to trust in the eternal flow, be true to your inner inclinations, and stick to your word. It's also natural to treat everyone as an equal. All these lessons can be derived by observing how water, which sustains all life, behaves. It simply moves, and the benefits it provides occur from it being what it is, in harmony with the present moment, and knowing the truth of precisely how to behave. Without even trying. Without even trying. And let others be free to flow, too. That's kind of important. That's all part of it because we learn just to go, you know, how easy is it if you're floating down the stream and not fighting, it takes very little effort. And there's so much about water that we can see in life that really helps. Just do the next right thing. That's the big thing I get out of this. Yep. Just do that. And that's usually going to be me doing something for someone, me loving someone. It's definitely not going to be a, some, me doing something selfish. Um, and let others also do the right thing. Be, let others be free to do what they need to do as well without judgment. Yes. Very good. Guys, I hope y'all have a great week. A happy New Year. And we will see y'all next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.